93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. Uh, appreciate having you alongside. We are uh, welcoming into the Eagle Studios uh, the General Manager and CEO of the Boone Electric Cooperative, uh, Mr. Todd Coley. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank uh, you. Great to have you back. It's been a little over a year since we last had you on the program, and so we're, uh, we're, we're glad to have you back. You've had a very eventful year, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the new corporate headquarters for Boone Electric Cooperative. Uh, but first, remind our listeners about your background and, and sort of where you grew up and how you found your way to Columbia, Missouri. Sure. Uh, I grew up in Boone County, Indiana, and uh, my dad was in the Air Force. My mom was a nurse, and I watched them for several years cancel each other's votes out at the elections. <laughs> I've got an older half-brother. I don't think most folks have met him. I've got a younger sister that I share a, a birthday with, and I've got two... Born bo- on the same day. Yes, three years wow. three years apart. Wow, that's timing. Yeah, and I've got uh, two boys, uh, both... Uh, Mizzou graduates, one's at SLU in med school, and the other's working on a MU ambulance and uh, applying to med schools now. So Wow, both of them interested in medicine. Yes. Well, yeah, that's very interesting. Where, how'd, that, where'd that, how'd that come about? Uh, well, I would say a lot of brainwashing uh, <laughs> in, utero, in utero. It started yeah, early. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, but no, they, you know, medicine is such a broad field. Uh, that there's so much that you can do in it. Mm-hmm. And they have each independently found areas that they really, really like. Yeah. And it's been fun to watch them develop. Yeah. And, uh, Good for them. I personally, I'm happy when they're happy. Yeah. No matter what they're doing, if, they're, if they do something totally different, that's great. But so far, they've, they've uh, had really good traction on those goals. And, yeah. And uh, their mother and myself have uh, supported them greatly over the years. And yeah. We'll continue to do that. Yeah. Good for you. Because uh, sooner or later, as, as uh, if they get too far into the medical field, they'll be supporting you, which would be a very nice thing, wouldn't it? Uh, that's part of the longer term <laughs> plan. So I'm Good to have goals. Yeah. That's <laughs> correct. That's great. Well, um, I, I want to just kind of remind our listeners, I think sometimes people are surprised um, about the, the size and scope of Boone Electric Cooperative. Because, you know, a lot of people in our listening audience, you know, they might be um, City of Columbia utility customers. Uh, they might be Ameren customers. They they might be uh, Callaway County uh, co-op uh, members. But um, tell us a little bit about the scope and the size of your membership. Sure. So the name obviously applies that we're, most of our members are here within Boone County, but but we serve members also in Audrain County as well as Callaway County, mm-hmm. some in uh, Howard, some in Monroe, and some in Randolph counties. Wow. And so we've got about 28,000 individuals that we're responsible in serving, and they have about 36,000 meters uh, wow. that, that turn, so to say. Now, is and, that 28,000 households or parcels, or is that people? 
Uh, that is 28,000 individual member accounts. So okay. there's at least one individual tied right. to that number. Right. So that's probably a household of some so, sort. Yeah. yeah. So if you yeah. figure, if you average, you know, 2.4, 2.6, whatever the number is per, yeah. then you're looking at the better part of 60 to 65,000 individuals. If, yeah. I, if I had to venture a guess. And yes, we are s- surrounded by many other utilities. Evergy is another one out to our west yeah. and northwest. And, and uh, on a high level, we do cooperate with them on the transmission side of things and, mm-hmm. and looking at loadings at substations and, and some of that. But here, the retail relationship that we've enjoyed, uh, we now have enjoyed here, I think, 88 years. We were the hmm. first electric cooperative formed in the state of Missouri. Hmm. And today we have about 3,200 miles of electric line. Uh, to meet the needs of those members with uh, now 60% of our system being underground. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big business. It really is. And and it's uh you just said something that sort of sparked a, a question I've had in my mind so I'm going to take advantage of having you here uh, to ask you this question, but I noticed as I'm driving to Kansas City uh for whatever reason, I see these billboards uh by Evergy. Um what would what did Evergy used to be called? Is that a new name or a new entity? Kansas City Power and Light. KCPNL. Okay, I'll be darned. But I noticed their billboards say that effective this fall, they are going to a a rate system uh, that is uh, based on the time of day that you're using your energy. Is that correct? That is correct. Can you kind of walk through that for our listeners? Yeah, high level. Um what you're seeing is the the need for electricity is continuing to grow nationally mm-hmm. and the demand is outstripping the pace of new supply coming on what what is typical peak when you see what what are the peak times typically well obviously in the morning yeah when people uh, first get up yeah, getting ready for work 6 to 8:30 in the morning is yep. going to be a, a peak period mm-hmm. uh, but usually the highest peaks come from about 4.30 p.m. until about 7 p.m. Okay. in the and, evenings. And each, it, each utility is a little bit different. Is the objective to get people uh, to create some price sensitivity so that people say, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be using so much power at this time of day? That's where the argument begins. Okay. Uh, but the you know high level, what you're seeing is that supply is being constrained to the point where we're going to have to start pushing people off those peaks and doing it voluntarily is a good first step. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. these time of use rates, I believe that particular utility that you mentioned is offering four options. And I know they put a tremendous amount of thought into this. Mm-hmm. And it's going to generate a lot of call volume for them. And, <laughs> and they'll work. Which at, is not one of their goals. <laughs> and they'll work through that issue. But there's a yeah. l- lot of smart people behind this. But, mm-hmm. but if you can shift that load to an off-peak period, then you can continue to serve your total demand with the existing generation facilities that yeah. you have. Yeah. So you're just trying to get people to use at a different time so that you don't have to get into curtailment yeah. activities. And, and the objective, and I, I know that there's a business philosophy, and I'm sure there's a rule. Uh, this rule has a name, I'm sure, but I, I can't recall what it is. But the idea is that you, you never want to build something just to accommodate peak capacity uh you you really want to try to avoid that so that you're you're not overbuilding because you may be even though you may be using a hundred percent of it for three hours a day there are maybe parts of the day where you're using 20 percent of it and but you still you have that entire infrastructure which is very expensive yes however there are 
peaks that are that occur naturally out there based off our usage and the way you know corporate society operates yeah. most of us are on day shift yeah. we're not a 50 50 from day to night right and so some peaks are going to always be there and so we actually do have facilities generation facilities that that make electricity that operate only on a peak basis oh okay and uh, but th- there are substantial assets also and we're very careful when we have those built, mm-hmm. uh, that they're built in the right place at the right time with the right technology, meeting yeah. all the regulations. Yeah. But obviously, if you're to build a very large base load facility, which is, of course, getting very difficult to do, that's one that runs 24-7 despite yeah. the weather. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to you need to re- be able to recoup those expenses over the decades to come. And so that's very, very important that if you're going to build a facility like that, you don't want it operating at 10, 20 or 30 percent of the time. Yeah, because you're not going to the the financial instruments aren't going to perform for the lenders that supported that project because they're supported by lenders and they're also supported by the members or the consumers that they serve. If you listen to talk radio in uh, Columbia, uh, you will often hear a debate about where our power is coming from. And um, I, I. while we're going down this rabbit hole, I thought to you this question. Um, the Columbia Municipal Power Plant on Business Loop is no longer burning coal or no longer operating? My understanding is that it is not burning coal. Okay. And I think we all know that. Okay. You know, I have heard that they've run like a smaller gas unit in there okay. to produce some power, but, you know, not being an official spokesperson for the no, city of Columbia, I, I want to be, yeah, want to be careful. No, but no, I, yeah, in all fairness, I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I, yeah. I think there's a, a misunderstanding by most people. Uh, I think a lot of people drive by that plant and they don't see the big piles of coal there anymore. That's so they correct. just assume that the plant's no longer operating. Uh, right. do, do you know what, what the university is doing down at the corner of Stewart and Providence in that power plant? Or what are they burning? Well, I believe they have a couple different units in there. Okay. So uh, I, I think there's some solar on the roof that generates, you know, relatively small amount. Yeah. I know they've, they've got some projects, but they, they do burn coal. Mm-hmm. It's a higher sulfur coal, I believe, that's trucked in from Indiana or Illinois. Again, okay. I'm not their official spokesperson, yeah. mm-hmm. but they've also got at least one gas unit in there, maybe two, and they'd be an interesting guest to have yeah, in there. Yeah. Now, that plant, though, operates pretty efficiently, mm-hmm. and I believe it's a, a great facility. It creates steam also that's used for processes around campus, yeah. as well as generating electricity, right. and it is tied into the greater grid, the MISO grid. So that's a good asset for the university. They're like the rest of us. They're looking at how do you build a bridge to, to a less carbon-intensive generation future. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, I think they're uh, doing a good job over there. Pardon my ignorance. Is is higher sulfur coal better for the environment? Well, higher sulfur coal has a greater heat content, oh. so you're you're getting more electricity okay. out of it. So if electricity as a byproduct is something that's beneficial to mankind, you could argue that more electricity leads to a greater quality life. Yeah. But in general, we work to get most of that sulfur out of the air yeah. and leave it sequestered into the ground. Okay, interesting. All right, let's talk about your new building. Uh, that's, uh, it is a, uh, it is um, certainly 
I think, one of the most beautiful rural electric cooperative buildings in the country. And uh, I think that you found a way to do it so that it wasn't the most expensive rural electric cooperative in the building. You found some efficiencies and uh, you were good stewards of your membership uh, members money. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about the new building. What do what you so far? OK, give us the numbers first. How much how many square feet and, and what did you end up spending? It's north of one hundred and fifty thousand square feet total. Mm. Uh, the contract with Coil Construction was just under thirty million. Mm-hmm. I think it came in around twenty nine and change. Mm-hmm. It's like buying a house. That's what the house costs, and, right. then, we, and then we had to furnish the right. house. So we got another five to six million on top of that mm-hmm. with all the fixtures, furniture, you know, the computers, all the systems behind behind the scenes. We were fortunate, you know. I the board, you've got to give them credit mm-hmm. because they could read the tea leaves and saying this is going to be a really good time to build. Really? I would think just the opposite. But, now, but somehow, tell, tell us why. Well, the, the one big one was, is um, we borrowed uh, several million dollars oh. from the project. Not not all of it, but yep. a big piece of it. Probably the better part of $20 million if I had to get 18 to 20 somewhere in that mm-hmm. ballpark. Our CFO could tell you yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. But the interest rates plummeted post-pandemic on the second half of that pandemic. Yeah. And he literally comes running down the hall. And he's like, they just dropped like 100 basis points. Do you realize what this means? Mm -hmm. So we locked it all in, borrowed it all then. And we like to say, oh, we were really good. No, (laughs) we were were lucky. And smart. But we've got enough tenure on that board Mm -hmm. that they've been through things like this before. Yeah. Yep, and uh, and so it saved us several million. I've heard four million or so mm-hmm. just in interest expense. Yeah. yeah, good for you. And you were able to lock in for a long period of time. Yeah, thirty years. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and good it's, for you. Yeah, and it's a it's. I think it's the lowest rate loan that we've had maybe since we were formed in the thirties mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, 88, yeah. 88 years ago. But yeah, uh, we've got over four hundred individuals took part in the construction of the campus. Yeah. I believe there were about 11 buildings. And I want to give you kudos once again. You chose, wherever you could, local contractors. Yeah, 90%. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. you know that doesn't happen with uh, other public entities in our community. So I, well, I appreciate you supporting uh, local construction companies and keeping those dollars in Boone County. That was pretty, pretty impressive the way you did it. Yeah, and again, and that was, you know, directed through our our board too mm-hmm. saying hey this is going to be really important let's keep that money in the local community and and every dollar that we were able to keep in this you know local central missouri and right around boone county we did yeah a little bit went outside but 90 percent of it stayed yeah. right here and we had you know i can't say enough about coil construction mm-hmm. we had a couple architects involved soa and connell architecture yeah. they, local they did, people again yeah yeah all local and mm-hmm. and uh and they've done a really good job and and so now we're going through and just buttoning down little items yeah. like like you would like I said if you Your built a list. house yeah. yeah so we yeah we're getting that punch list uh, worked off and we'll have that done here. Yeah. shortly. Well, it's great curb appeal. Uh, we got about one minute left. Tell us your favorite thing about the new building. What do you like best? Oh, right. Well, first, I like being able to be able to walk through the garages and around our big line trucks mm-hmm. um, without sliding sideways. Oh, yeah. Because we were packed in so yeah. tight that it was not safe. Yeah. Uh, so I like that for the employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the community, the community room ah. and it's actually three community rooms and there's also a commercial kitchen in there that's available 
And a wonderful facility. What a great public service. Yeah. That's great. That's Todd Coley. He is the general manager and CEO of Boone Electric Cooperative. We're going to be talking more about this new building that they just opened. And uh, we'll talk about uh, sort of the challenges associated with renewable energy and, and our power grid. So stay tuned. Uh, this is the CEO Roundtable. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Thank you for tuning in. We are visiting with Todd Coley, who is the general manager and CEO of the Boone Electric Cooperative with brand new world headquarters right on range line, right next to the, the pretty Christmas tree, right? Is that a good way to describe it? <laughs> yes, that would be. I can't think of a better way to describe it. But that, but in all seriousness, yeah. that, that tree is very important to us. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's it's beautiful, and it has really gotten more beautiful over the last couple of years, which uh, you and I have talked about before. Very near the site of the for our old timers, the was that called the Fifty States Motel that was there on that property? I believe that's yeah. correct. I think there was a little room or cabin for every state uh, in the union, and so. Um, but anyway, people will remember that better than I do. But what do your employees like best about the new building? I think one having space to to have comfortable meetings mm-hmm. and more of a casual atmosphere where they can have really good conversations and not be interrupted by a lot of background noise they have a lot a lot of capacity in the building mm-hmm. uh, long term so i think uh you know being in a building where you don't have buckets of water falling through the ceiling yeah i mean it's simple stuff the wind noise that we used to have. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, co-ops were really good at stretching the members' dollar. Right. And I'm right. going to tell you that it's easier for me to build my own house with my dollars yep. and be accountable to me mm-hmm. than it is for us to spend the members' dollars. Yeah. So I don't want the members to think that this is some real fancy facility mm-hmm. and it's on their back because that is not the case. Mm-hmm. This is their asset. And we're the lucky few that have the opportunity to be there right now to serve yeah. them. Yeah. But obviously, it's it's a secure facility for us. That's become increasingly important to us. Uh, it, it, you know, we've got adequate heating and cooling capacity in the facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have the water issues that we that we once did, and and uh, and it's just it's just very well built. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's basically designed for future capacity and we've got room in there because we don't know a hundred percent what our future looks like right today we're providing electricity in the footprint that we are mm-hmm. but who's to say that doesn't change in 10 years right we have the capacity to pick up pick up additional utility services should that be an option down the road yeah so we've left ourselves that flexibility and uh and we've done it at a at a cost that we couldn't couldn't match today. Yeah. So we've already yeah. heard we're looking at fifteen million or so more today in the value of the building to build the same yeah. facility. Oh, I see. Yeah. Interesting. So let me ask you this because I think that when you you hear experts talk about national security and where America is vulnerable, you quite often hear people bring up the the whole concept of of the electric grid in our in our country and 
people point at that as a as a major vulnerability. And and of course, you know, there's been you know random news stories over the last few years of, of people attacking power facilities in in their communities around the country. How vulnerable is the nation's electric utility, the the, the grid, the, our our primary infrastructure for electricity? Well, I think there's vulnerabilities in all complicated machines, mm-hmm. and the this is one of the most complicated machines that mankind's ever created, which mm-hmm. is the nation's electrical grid. Right. And obviously, you can go out there in limited areas and cause problems, take part of it offline, and do some of that, but... This system is designed to be highly resilient, and our forefathers have, have done that. So our board president here, Joel Bullard, mm-hmm. and I sit on a board down in Jefferson City called Central Power. Mm-hmm. They're responsible for the substations and the transmission. And so, and then that board sends a couple individuals down to Associated Electric in Springfield, mm-hmm. they're responsible for those generation assets. So, And we own both of those. Okay. And so we're very connected. So when, I'm, when I've got my Boone Electric hat on, we're talking about the retail relationship, mm-hmm. serving the members, right. doing the great things at the fair, yeah. having our annual meeting, which is coming up September 14th, uh-huh. and doing all these things. Now, when we switch gears, start talking about security and resiliency and all that, and I'm wearing a Central Electric Power Cooperative hat from Jeff City, and so yeah. that's kind of the that's kind of the arena that we're jumping into here. There are things that people can do to cause problems. <laughs> the system is designed to be resilient and to be able to recover. So you could be talking a day or two or a week, maybe to recover. Uh, but that's just that's just the world that we live in today, and so we. The St. Louis Metro Police Department has issued an Amber Alert for a child abduction that occurred at 2853 Keokuk Street, St. Louis, Missouri on August 19, 2023 at 4.32 a.m. Abducted was Julina Celine Wallace Richardson, black, female, age 2 month, s. Suspect vehicle is a black 2008 Ford Escape bearing Illinois registration 61890RV. Vehicle slash suspect last seen unknown direction of travel. Suspect is James Stephen Richardson J.R. Black, male, 28, 5 feet 7 inches tall, 200 pounds, has black hair and brown eyes. Last seen wearing a white shirt and tan shorts. Victim Julina Celine Wallace Richardson has black hair and brown eyes. Last seen wearing a pink onesie. Suspect took the child after assaulting the mother. The suspect stole the mother's vehicle after making threats to harm the child. Suspect is known to be violent and have weapons. Please call 911 or St. Louis Metro Police Department at 314-444. 5504 if you have any information pertaining to this alert. Honestly, 99.99% of the time, yeah. it's nothing that we, yeah. we have to be concerned with. Yeah, but, well, that's but we're here, good to be prepared. Yeah, the employees are here if needed. Yeah, good. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, 
just sort of the this whole idea of renewable energy and and i know that the city of columbia for example has uh uh put you know uh some goals uh into their operation several years ago about the percentage of renewable energy they'd be able to use mm-hmm. uh 20 years ago thinking about renewable energy uh it, i think that a lot of people had a very different understanding of how it might come together than uh what reality has has the way the rea- reality has played out what can you tell us about the state of renewable energy today? There's a lot of questions. So there's a lot of people that are doubting that it really is more efficient, and, and perhaps it isn't, but it certainly is more expensive. Sure. Uh, and this is a topic that gets a lot of folks' uh, attention. And, you know, again, keep in mind that, that we're in the business of taking an electron and distributing it to where it's needed. Right. And so, to a degree, I personally, I personally am agnostic. It's mm-hmm. you, you get an electron to me, and I'll deliver it if we've got an able and willing buyer. You don't care where it comes from. Well, my goal is to maintain affordable and reliable power to the members we serve. Affordable so, and reliable, it, okay. right? And so, if if those conditions are met, then we'll do our job in in delivering that mm-hmm. delivering that power, but. Renewable energy is just, it's different. It's just different. It's, you can't count on it to be there when you need it. It's not reliable. Right. But when it's on, it's on and you try to use it and you incorporate that. And our power supplier associated there, we have a lot of wind production. As a matter of fact, uh, 25% of the energy that that the co-ops have received this year has come from renewable energy resources and yeah. we're not under a mandate but we've learned to incorporate it in there so 25 percent of, of year to the day power you're getting is that's is, right is renewable that's right how much of that of that is wind uh wind would be eight about 18 to 20 percent of that oh really okay what, yep. so what else is there solar it's hydro hydro very good right is, is and thomas hill considered hydro no that okay. would be that'd be your traditional base load facility okay and uh, high output, high high reliability, and it burns coal. Is Bagnell Dam considered hydro? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So each each source of power has a different personality, so mm-hmm. to say, and different mm-hmm. performance criteria. And and uh, when you get into the renewables, they have their place, and we're all for uh, you know being creative and learning and being innovative, and we want to encourage scientists to continue to come up with new tech talk. To- technologies and we're involved in that through our national association Mm -hmm. and so we're not here to say that it's all bad but when the chips are down and you gotta have power and it's a blizzard out like it was this past december yeah and you've you've got to have that power you're going to be you're going to be using either nuclear gas or coal because you have to have steam production to be reliable and Mm -hmm. that's that's where the threat starts to come in nationally. Yeah. Farmers Almanac is predicting a colder winter uh, with more snow uh, than what we've had in the past few years. Uh, do you pay attention to that stuff? Yes, we do. Uh, but we never forget to actually look up now <laughs> and and see what are the actual conditions. And yeah. that sounds silly, maybe a little bit mm-hmm. sarcastic, but mm-hmm. it's... But I've, we've got to be in the here and the now also to make sure that we're meeting the needs and have the capacity to serve what's happening today, what's going to happen this evening, what's going to happen this weekend. We know this weekend that it's going to be... 90-something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're, we try to stay ahead of the game on that, especially on the power supply side. Yeah. 
are, are there any, well, let's talk about power plants and i know that that's been controversial and and uh you know every time we change uh an administration in washington dc we tend to go in a different direction are there power plants being constructed now no not at all not on our system no okay and not not any that i'm aware of mm-hmm. around us is that a, a what do you think about that is that a good idea a bad idea why would we not be building infrastructure yeah it absolutely is a mistake mm-hmm. we have already lost the window of time where we needed to have been building those facilities mm-hmm. so we are anticipating large rolling blackouts across parts of the United States over the next few years. Especially, Americans won't like that. Especially around 27, 2027, 2028, in that ballpark. And uh, so we know that's coming. Now, quite honestly, if you go back and see what happened this last winter, uh, the co-ops in Missouri were the only regional utility that did not have rolling blackouts. Wow. Okay, when so it got, when it, when the peak demand went uh, up, and, can you tell me why we're not building? Well, it's not popular, um, yeah. and uh, there's a there's a strong effort uh, to decarbonize the generation fleet, and uh, it, there's no alternative that's been identified that can replace the assets that are being retired today on the generation side. Is there a regulatory authority that is currently uh, preventing you from building facilities? Sure, yeah, there's all kinds of legislation and, and also regulation that's preventing that. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we've, you know, that's why we're active in Washington, D.C. and other places through our national association and, and uh, here through our statewide association because at the end of the day, it's imperative that cooperatives in particular continue to fight for their members to maintain affordable and reliable power. Yeah. So that simple little mission statement yeah. is really starting to mean something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have an advocate in Washington? Do you have someone that's going to bat for you? I mean, do you, are people listening? Are, are they hearing your call? Yeah, they are starting to. And uh, as we have reliability issues around the country, mm-hmm. their ears get a little larger and they start to listen a little bit more. Yeah. What will a, what would a rolling blackout look like for somebody, you know, God forbid it happens here in mid-Missouri, but w- what does that typically look at? The, the, is it unpredictable when the, po- the, the power goes out, or is it, is it scheduled outage? Uh, hopefully scheduled. Okay. Uh, but generally speaking, you know the system has got restraints. You can see the cycles or the hertz on the system. It, we, you have under-frequency alerts, and so they know at the power plants and uh, that, that there are issues, and they, they look around for for which areas can be separated first mm-hmm. uh, without impacting hospitals, key institutions, nursing homes, um, yeah. that, that type of thing. Oh, so, yeah, there's a yeah. there's a pecking order to it. Yeah. That's the voice of Todd Coley. He is the general manager and CEO of, of uh, Boone Electric Cooperative, and, and uh, we've been talking about the new headquarters and, and uh, sort of the struggle with and the challenges associated with renewable energy and, and the, the our current infrastructure for electricity here in this country. we got a lot more things to talk about coming up. Uh, Todd will be with us in the third segment, so please stay with us. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle.
And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable. Uh, this is Fred Perry. We have been visiting with Todd Coley, who is the general manager and CEO of Boone Electric Cooperative. Uh, I'm learning a lot. I hope that you are, too. It's very fascinating uh, just uh, how this all gets pulled uh, together. Um, you have a couple of opportunities on the horizon. Uh, one of them is a Department of Energy grant uh, for rural development. Uh, talk about that. Have you officially applied? And, and what are the, what's the likelihood that you might get some assistance? Yes, we applied several months ago and thought we met all the conditions and uh, coordinated, coordinated that with our national association and uh, were denied. Oh, and, you're kidding. Um, wow. And so we... Uh, are right back at bat again as mm-hmm. we speak, and we're in the process of putting together an, another package that's going to be a little larger footprint that will involve some of the other cooperatives around us. Yeah, and, uh, and hopefully we'll have some good news here down the road. What were you hoping to do with those funds? Build a more resilient uh, distribution grid for some mm-hmm. of our members that gives us some different interconnections and different options and. And just to build a stronger system, because what's happening is our residential members are beginning to electrify their transportation fleet. Yeah. Uh, we're needing larger wire size and larger transformers and, and, and all that. So this helps us to meet that growing need because that's a fast, that's a fast growing need. You know, uh, I think that for, for many years, uh, Missouri has been blessed to have people like Christopher Bond and, uh, Roy Blunt. Um, and uh, uh, people like that uh, in uh, in office that uh, could go to bat for Missouri and carried a big stick in, in Washington, D.C. Um, and then as we turn over and more junior senators come in uh, and uh, take their places, uh, does that affect our ability to secure some of these, these big projects from the federal government? That's a question for somebody higher up in the food chain <laughs> than, than myself. Right. I can tell you that when the co-ops speak, legislators listen mm-hmm. uh, because it's a big rural vote. Well, and they vote, but you got to look at us. We're a not-for-profit. Mm. We served the underserved areas that nobody else wanted to serve, yeah. starting in the '30s and '40s. Yeah, and if we brought a need to D.C. or elsewhere, it was a legitimate need, mm-hmm. and we've never gotten away from that. And yeah. so, if we're saying, "Hey, we have a concern, and this is what the concern is." It's not political. Yeah. They, well, you're a not-for-profit, so you have to stay out of the politics, I would guess. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. As, and as you know, Boone Electric Cooperative in particular, we have members that are across the board mm-hmm. on their philosophies and beliefs and all yeah. that. And we're here to serve all of them. Yeah. And is that challenging? Yes. But we try to offer something to everybody. But at the end of the day... And when it's 10 below with yeah. a 30-mile-an-hour wind for three or four days in a row and you can't get out of your house... We're going to make sure those lights are on. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I um, uh, last time we talked, we we talked about some of the challenges with electric vehicles um, out on the road. Uh, I know that our local fire departments, the, the people who have to respond to some of these accidents on Interstate seventy, really are challenged by uh, these electric vehicles because of of the batteries and just the intense heat and and so forth. But um, what have you seen? Um, uh, have you have you seen uh, much of a change in this community in terms of, of the, the or in your service area uh, from the demand uh, of electric vehicles in terms of power demands? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's 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 growing. It's there, and uh, it places a burden on your well, oh, yeah. an additional burden. I think. We guess, yeah. I think all utilities set new peak demands this last year, and and all of us are scratching our heads because we're like, where where is this demand coming from? Mm-hmm. Because we can model really well and know about where things are going to be, but when everybody had everything turned on at the same time, we saw levels that we'd never seen before. Yeah, and so we know the demand is there. And we know what what the pace is as building as far as building new power plants is, mm-hmm. and so it doesn't surprise me that you're seeing some of the larger utilities now moving people off their peak use periods because they don't have enough supply. Yeah, and what percentage of the of the electricity that's going into the the distribution system right now is still generated by coal? I would say it's in the neighborhood of 28% nationally. Wow, it's not going to be much lower than I thought. Yeah, there's been a tremendous amount of retirements. I think here just in the next few years, we're looking at about 12,000 megawatts of additional retirements uh, here in the Midwest, mm. primarily in the Midwest. Tw- you know, 12,000 megawatts, that's, that's uh, probably two and a half times the size of Associated's entire footprint, and they serve all the co-ops in Missouri, and then they also serve the co-ops in Southeast Iowa, and and uh, so we're retiring north, twelve thousand Northeast megawatts, Oklahoma, but we're not building new plants. That's we're, correct. Okay, so, so we're really digging a hole. We're we're trying to build what we call a gas bridge. Mm-hmm. So Associated's got some plans down the road, and uh, but they've got to get to the regulatory hurdle and all yeah. that for some new facilities. But they're very early in the planning phases. But we're but the industry is trying to build a gas bridge. So we're retiring coal, trying to build gas, and then get the bridge would get us to nuclear in 2040. Where's the so. natural gas coming from? Well, you're getting a lot of it from from up in Canada. You're mm-hmm. getting a lot of it in the southwest or yeah. some to the east. It's you know the natural gas capacity is very very large, and there's good people that work in that industry that yeah. can that can give you a lot of details. They'd be a great speaker on the program. But natural gas use is going to continue to rise significantly. But there's some resistance to natural gas by by some lobbies. Yeah, you're still you're still burning a carbon-based resource to yeah. create the power. Okay. And so even though it's got maybe half the carbon output of what coal does, there's still carbon there. Yeah. And so they're saying, so well... So if you're, you're plugging in your electric vehicle, you're, you're yeah. still relying on coal and, and natural gas. Well, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you got a... You can have solar and wind that provide power at times. You can have a battery backup system to your home and do yeah. some different things. But at the end of the day... When you're counting on it, it's coming from a thermal resource that's either coal, gas, or nuclear. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question: It's you know you, you you'll hear farmers. Uh, this is State Fair Week up in, in Sedalia, but you'll hear farmers sort of bemoan the fact that really people have no idea where their food is coming from. Do you think that uh, we would be better off as a society if people knew where their energy was coming from? Perhaps, uh, but quite honestly. You know, I, it's nice when people don't have to think sure. about energy and where it comes from. Yeah. Unfortunately, these next 10 to 12 years, uh, it's going to be a topic of discussion because it's going to become a little more scarce yeah. and uh, and pricier. Yeah. And it's going to be a topic of conversation until we eventually get to a world that likely has more nuclear in it. We just we have no other feasible options right now. They've talked about hydrogen, but it takes more electricity to make it than what you get out of it. Yeah. So today we don't have the technology to replace gas or coal. 
without yeah. going to nuclear. There's wow. there's and there's no reliable twenty four seven base load renewable resource available. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the large battery systems, we've we've struggled to to uh, do it in a cost competitive manner. As someone who gets the ins and outs of the business, that understands the the technical side of it, how do you feel about nuclear power? Well, we're using it in our Navy today. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got a unit sitting right here in the center of town. Yeah. You know, it. they used to build those things in two years. Right. So uh, nuclear is, if done right and, and carefully, mm-hmm. then there, there's no concerns. Yeah. You're, you're just looking at a way to create steam. We're getting ready to get a, a much bigger one here in the middle of town, I think. So it, That's uh, correct. You know, uh, sooner than later. Let's talk about some happy things. Uh, let's talk about the annual meeting, which is uh, always yeah. a great tradition here in Boone County. Uh, uh, you bring together your members uh, once a year for the annual meeting. You mentioned earlier in the program that it's September 14th. Where are you doing it this year? It's going to be at our new headquarters. Right. It is going to be a drive-through format like it was last year. Right. So we encourage people to come by from 7 a.m. until 6 p.m. and they'll receive a $25 credit mm-hmm. off their electric bill. Yep. And uh, they need to bring their registration. Look at in the rural Missouri coming up, and they have, uh, I believe, their registration information on it. And uh, and then we'll give them some information. They'll have the opportunity to vote on a couple business-related items that yep. that we have there as usual. And, do they uh, vote in their car or do they bring the ballot with them? They will vote uh, as they show up. We okay. will have iPads for them oh. and we'll be there to help them with that. Yeah. If it goes like it did last year, they were most of the members were in and out in under 10 minutes yeah. with most in around five or six minutes. So obviously it's convenient. It's been real popular, but it's different from the old meetings that we used to have yeah. where we'd sit down and visit with folks. Yeah. And uh, we have had a few more comments about people missing that. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting to see where the board decides to go with that yeah. down the road. This kind of started as a result of COVID. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but you're continuing to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't think rural people are as worried about COVID as city folks are sometimes, but it's, uh, um, so you're not feeding them. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. <laughs> I was, uh, that was always a, a big bonus back in the day. Yes, it is. And, and you know, again, it'll be interesting to see down the road, you know, how how does the board deal with that? Do yeah. they do they do something like maybe every fifth year we do the sit down picnic with the fried chicken and, yeah. and the rest? But we'll be listening to our members and, and their thoughts on yeah. that. Um, I uh, have a couple of uh, a little premium gifts uh, over the years. I have a really cool extension cord from Boone Electric and uh, this thing that you plug into the cigarette lighter in your car. I don't know if they make cigarette lighters in cars anymore or not but you know they had usb ports on it and, and those were great little gifts are you still doing those kinds of things yes we yeah we still give away the little things like that yeah, yeah. and uh, i haven't seen this year what the plan is but i can guarantee you the 25 dollar bill credit to be there okay uh, yeah. but yeah we've had it we've got a history of giving away little things yeah. uh like that and uh you know, we've, I can remember in past years, we'd look at what are our options, what can we do? And I'm like, well, if we've got any contentious items on the agenda, let's not give away the little knives like some of them did. And uh, Yeah, good idea. But it's a wonderful, that annual meeting on September 14th, it's it, it's always a wonderful time to, to see people. And, yeah. and our staff and our employees 
enjoy visiting with everybody. And, yeah, and uh, I'd be remiss today if I didn't tell you how fortunate we all are to have such a great group of employees and understanding membership. Yeah, and quite honestly, been blessed with. And I'm not trying to win any points here, mm-hmm. but I'm blessed with one of the best boards uh, out there in co-op land. Yeah. And these are names that people will recognize. They're prominent yeah. farmers from around the community that uh, uh, that campaign to get elected. And so it's 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 really a, a very democratic process because the members mm-hmm. elect the board. And that's so that's yeah, right. Yeah, and they're true leaders and and they're teachers and they've they've done great work over the decades. Yeah, I'm proud to be had to have been a part of it or yeah. to be a part of it. And of course, your uh, community trust continues to do uh, yes. great things for the community. I would, I would encourage people to look at our Operation Roundup program mm-hmm. and uh, where those dollars go into the trust and we have an independent group of trustees. And that, that's where you round up to the nearest dollar on, yeah. your, on your bill. That so, money goes to yeah. wonderful causes in yeah. the community. It sure does. I know that. Well, Todd, we appreciate your time. I, we could probably talk for a couple more hours and I apologize that we're out of time, but uh, thank you for taking time out of your business schedule to join us here in the Eagle Studio. Uh, that's Todd Coley, who is the CEO and General Manager of Boone Electric Cooperative. We'll be back next week with another program for you. I believe Dr. Brian Yearwood, is uh, the superintendent of Columbia Public Schools, is going to be our guest next weekend. So that'll be interesting. So please join us. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable. You've been listening to 93.9 The Eagle. My city was a threat to the rest. This city is my city. And I love it. Yeah, I love it.